of Axios Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Permack. On today's show, Staples stiffs its landlords and Passover via Zoom. But first, the battle over billionaire saviors. So yesterday's big tech headline was that Jack Dorsey, who runs both Twitter and Square, has decided to donate $1 billion of his Square equity toward a new organization that will initially fund coronavirus relief and later focus on girls' health and education, plus universal basic income. This comes on top of Apple donating tens of millions of surgical masks to frontline workers, Bill Gates pledging big money to build vaccine production factories, and other large donations from tech titans like Mark Zuckerberg and Michael Dell. Now, obviously, all of this is welcome and needed. We are in the midst of an all-hands-on-deck emergency, and every piece of help is worth giving and receiving. But it also reflects the reality that America has become increasingly reliant on its billionaires to fix the problems that governments are supposed to fix. And in so doing, it possibly becomes an unvirtuous cycle in which billionaire power and influence only grows, thus making them even more essential the next time around. That's the argument of Recode reporter Teddy Scheffler, who writes, quote, tech billionaires can be doing good while simultaneously revealing their power and entrenching it for the long haul, end quote. We'll talk to Teddy in 15 seconds. But first, this. There is more news out there than ever before, but these days, it's harder than ever to find it and to know what to trust. Axios AM takes the effort out of getting smart by synthesizing the 10 stories that will drive the day and telling you why they matter. Subscribe at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata Podcast. We're joined now by Teddy Scheffler of Recode. So, Teddy, let's start with this. The situation we have today where billionaires, whether it be Jack Dorsey or Bill Gates, seem to have so much kind of influence over not just policy, but kind of our response to big issues. Is that a new development in American life or, or have we seen that for the past, you know, 100, 200 years? Income inequality right now is at a historic high, but there was an era, you know, a century ago where people were concerned about the Rockefellers and the Carnegies and the Fords. So we're seeing this kind of come back again as income inequality rises. And look, this is not a new phenomenon, but at a moment like this, when there's so much on the line with people's lives at stake, these questions are going to come up every time there's massive income inequality and a massive problem. You write, quote, a nurse on the front lines of the crisis probably couldn't care less whether the mask that protects them came from Tim Cook or from Donald Trump. They're just glad to have one. And that's certainly true. I'm wondering, from your perspective, is there a psychological cost or maybe a societal cost to all of us knowing that we're relying kind of on one person's random act of kindness as opposed to kind of a well-prepared, well-thought-out systemic response? Absolutely. And, and look, I think that's, that's something that we need to wrestle with. Ultimately, you would rather have billionaires, quote unquote, stepping up than not stepping up because, you know, especially during an emergency. But I think there's a lot of advocates who say that, you know, we should be talking about the system as it's constructed where you have A, massive income inequality, and then B, billionaires stepping up. And whether that's the best solution or obviously if billionaires stepping up can mean something else. Maybe it can mean pushing for you know, universal health care or pushing for the safety net to be stronger in other ways. That to them is something that is a systemic conversation that needs to happen at some point. Maybe not right now, but we better be thinking about it now. The folks who, for lack of a better term, defend historically billionaire philanthropy might look at this particular situation and go, the coronavirus pandemic proves our point. The government has fallen down on the job in so many ways. The billionaires are the safety net. Are they wrong? I think Bill Gates is the person who is 
I think, frankly, makes the best argument for billionaire philanthropy. Gates is out there not only using his money, but also using his voice. You know, he's been kind of the lead person, one of the lead people like on TV or on Reddit or uh, in the Washington Post making the case. And the argument is that Bill Gates being taxed a couple more dollars here, a couple more dollars there would lead to a worse response than if Bill Gates on his own is doing his own thing. But the problem is that, you know, for every Bill Gates, you're going to get someone like Larry Page, who's been totally MIA during this crisis and your or Sergey Brin, frankly. We assume that, right? Because we don't know for sure whether they've done it. There's very limited public transparency in this world. Yes. Let me go on the other side of the skepticism, on the other side, which is the skeptics argument, which says that not necessarily Gates, but whether it be Jack Dorsey or Zuckerberg or whoever else or Bezos, that what they're doing right now is basically giving themselves cover for when this ends and they get hauled in front of Congress for antitrust or privacy or whatever the next thing is that they get called up there for, that there is going to be sympathy for these people because they stepped in in a moment of crisis. Is that a compelling argument? I think it's impossible to divorce the philanthropic contributions from how it's pretty obvious how these contributions end up being perceived. And look, you've already seen someone like Gavin Newsom or Mike Pence or even Donald Trump go out of their way to praise Tim Cook or Mark Zuckerberg. These are officials, these are business leaders that these officials need to regulate at the end of the day. And look, it's not to say that the contributions aren't needed and they aren't doing the right thing, but the corporate power that these leaders will have and wields at the influence at the end of this, which will probably be even greater than this today, is inseparably linked to the philanthropic contributions that billionaires are making. You cover this world as kind of this money, philanthropy, politics world a lot. When Dorsey did his $1 billion donation or, or kind of allocation yesterday, one of the things he said in his statement was that he hoped it would encourage others to follow suit in some way. Is there kind of a, a, a measuring race from what you can tell among philanthropists? In other words, if Dorsey gives a billion, then Bezos is going to think, I've got to give a billion two or give a billion point one to beat him. Is that kind of who's his bigger race of a billionaire game that they play? And, and I don't mean even in a bad way. Just will it actually encourage additional donation? I think everyone kind of wishes that was true, that there would be this, you know, you've got three yachts, I've got four yachts sort of uh, measuring contest going on. Unfortunately, I don't think that that actually pans out as much as we might think. Right now, you know, you see a lot of people in the philanthropy world sort of, you know, these are, these are lumbering institutions. They have a big foundation. These are billionaires who aren't sure how to make an impact. You know, I think we would all love to see Larry Page tomorrow come out and say, here's 1.01 billion. But that has not really proven to be the case, at least in the early weeks of this crisis. There's a lot of patience, a lot of reluctance to kind of give big at this point, at least in the public way. Teddy Scheffler of Recode, thank you so much for joining us. You bet. My final two, right after this. Axios Chief Technology Correspondent Ina Fried shares breaking news and analysis on the most consequential companies and players in tech, from the Valley to D.C. Subscribe to Get Smarter Faster at signup.axios.com. And now, back to the ProRata Podcast. Now it's time for my final two. And first up is office retailer Staples, which has kept its physical stores open as essential services. What Staples hasn't done, though, is paid its April rents, as Axios reported earlier today. The basic story here is that Staples is using a crisis to stiff its landlords, many of whom have been working on deferred payment plans or payment forgiveness with their smaller, more mom and pop tenants, those folks who've actually seen their revenues go to zero because they've had to close. And remember, landlords are prevented in many places from evicting tenants right now. Plus, they can't shut off services like sanitation or parking lot sweeping if they have other tenants in the same property, like supermarkets. Now, Staples is obviously a bad actor here, as is its private equity owner that paid itself a $1 billion dividend last year. But this situation also highlights the larger rock and hard place situation for landlords, 
who have tenants who really are unable to pay their rents, but also have banks who still want their regular mortgage payments. It's an underplayed part of the economic crisis so far, but one that's only going to become more pronounced when May rents come due. And finally, tonight is the first night of Passover, in which Jewish people around the country and world typically gather with family for food and reflection. But this year's Passover, in many cases, is being done the way we seem to do everything else now via Zoom. So it is going to be quite a different experience for millions. But the bigger difference may be when people are called on to recall the 10 plagues, which is part of the typical Passover service. Now, this is something that usually feels ancient because it was ancient. But now in our coronavirus era, takes on a much more present context. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great national empanada day, which is not usually served at a Passover Seder. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata podcast.